We are at Psalm 116. Psalm 116. I have learned that Psalm 116 has been a mainstay for the people of God throughout the years, throughout the centuries. I guess I latched onto it just through verse 15, recognizing that it was there. And many years after the death of my grandmother, uh, I have sort of retroactively applied it to her life and her death, and then I've applied it to mine, uh, my death, Ruth's death, and all of us thinking about the preciousness of our lives lived out now as God redeems us from sin and then we respond by living a Christian life. That's the theme of this, this psalm. There's sort of two stages there. And then it goes all the way to the end. And when we get to the end, that death is precious to the same Savior who saved us from eternal death. Let's stand as I read Psalm 116. I'll be using the New American Standard Bible. This is God's Word, His holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. Hear God's Word. I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my supplications. Because He has inclined His ear to me, therefore I shall call upon Him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me. The terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Oh, Lord, surely I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You have given it to us. We pray that you would apply it by the power of your Spirit. And give us joy as we live before you all the days of our lives in this, the land of the living. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
I love the Lord. I love the Lord. If you have the outline there, you have that it starts with this prayer of desperation. I have a picture of Daniel there, and some of y'all have already started to sketch that in and fill it in. We don't have any real evidence that when Daniel was remanded to the lion's den that he was particularly in any desperation. It was certainly a desperate thing to do to be thrown to the lions. Everybody expected him to be torn to shreds. But you may remember in Daniel 6, Daniel 6 is where this is, the uh, three Hebrew children as we call them is Daniel 3, but this is Daniel 6. The men, you know, he he had been placed at, at the highest point under the king and therefore people were angry at him and were jealous of him. And those men got together and said, we can't find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it in his faithfulness to his own God against him with regard to the law of his God. We can find something in the law of his God that that we can say is against the Lord of the state here, then we can do something. But he, he seems to obey the law of his God. So they came to Darius and said, you know, let's, let's say... Make a, make a decree that can't be changed, that nobody can pray to any, any God except you. No God or man except you, O king, for 30 days. So he signed that. And then, uh, then they went to watch Daniel. He did not change his pattern. He, he, he would open his window toward Jerusalem and pray. And he would kneel by the window and pray three times a day. So what did he do after he heard this new law that had been promulgated by the king? Well, he kept living his normal life. He kept obeying the law of his God. He kept praying three times a day, looking toward Jerusalem. So all all his challengers had to do was to go outside and, and look at his window. He's praying to somebody. He's not praying to the king. He's praying to his God. He's breaking the law of our land. So they caught the king, and the king did not want Daniel, did not want to lose Daniel. Daniel was the one fellow he could trust in the whole kingdom to live as a godly person, (laughs) to be trustworthy. And so he was thrown into the lion's den. King went off, and, and that night spent the night fasting. Sleep fled from him. The king rose at dawn to the break of day, and he went in haste to the lion's den. If you have that picture, that's, I think it's sort of maybe that's what the time when, uh, when the king is looking into the den. And before he gets to the den, he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able, that's a theme in the book of Daniel, been able to save you? Uh, been able to deliver your soul from the lions. And then he said, yes, he sent sent an angel, sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. I would guess that even if he did not, even if he did not (laughs) feel desperation, that if we were sent to such a situation, we might feel desperation. And you may 
have felt desperation. Let's go back to the first four verses of the passage. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. He's paid attention to me. He's, he's heard me say, I am worried about this. I know I'm not supposed to worry. I'm, I'm not supposed to be anxious. I'm not supposed to look around about myself anxiously, but that's what I'm doing, Lord. I need your help. This seems to be a terrible challenge coming upon me. The cords of death encompassed me. The terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. I, I would call that a prayer of desperation. And then he prayed. I called. Four times in this psalm, the word call is used for, for prayer. This is, a, this is a prayer psalm. I'm in trouble, Lord. Verse 4, then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I beseech you, save my life. It reminds you of Jonah, doesn't it? The picture, not only of the believer rescued, redeemed, but also uh, Jesus taught us that, that Jonah was a picture of himself when he rose again from the dead on the third day. So in the first chapter, he runs away from the Lord. Chapter 2, he prays. Chapter 3, he gets to start over again and go in the other direction. And then there's a fourth chapter as well. But in the second chapter, it's prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. He said, I called out in my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. So my, my question to you, as we're going through this, think about your life. Has this happened to you yet? Have you come to the place where you realize you're, you were not going to get out of a situation? unless the Lord heard your prayer and responded. And you know you called upon him, and you know he heard your prayer, and you know he responded, and if I called on you right now, you, whether you would do it or not, I don't know, but you would be able to stand up and testify and say, I know what you're talking about. That has happened to me. Either in terms of uh, an earthly challenge, a worldly challenge, or, and for any believer, this is true of you, of your recognizing I'm a sinner and I'm on the way to hell, and I call to a holy God who has no reason to no reason in me to hear my prayer even. But I, I call to him and I ask him to forgive me. And he has forgiven me. And he's given me new life. So every believer here can, can say that's true. It's possible that you're here and neither one of those has, has come into your life yet. But I, I encourage you to go ahead and maybe even today to understand that your sins have put you down under the sea. Your sins have put you in the belly of the fish. And there is no way out unless you call upon the Lord and ask Him to forgive your sins. And if you do that today, then he promises to forgive you your sins and you'll go out those doors or whatever door you go out, you'll go out the door a new person and you will understand Psalm 116 to some extent. To know you called to the Lord, he answered, he saved you. Either he saved you from cancer diagnosis, saved you from thinking something's going to show up on an MRI and it does not show up on the MRI, 
you prayed and you got that answer, but definitely that you prayed to be saved and you can say with verse 4, I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech you, save my life. And he did and he does. Isaac Watts, who was a a new thinker like uh, like John Bunyan. John Bunyan uh, wrote the first English-speaking novel, uh, a new form of literature for us in an English-speaking world. So Isaac Watts is, is called the father of modern hymnody. In other words, he started writing hymns. The, the Germans had been singing hymns since Luther, um, but... Calvin had said only sing psalms, and so the English had only been singing psalms, and the Scots had only been singing psalms, and then those people that from, from whom some of us may have come, we have, we have come partially, the Scots who went over to Ireland and are called Scots-Irish, they sang only psalms. But um, as a teenager, Isaac Watts, who wrote the last song we're going to sing as we come to the table, Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed? He, he went to his dad, who had been in jail like John Bunyan was because he wouldn't follow the Anglican prayer book and was nonconformist in that way. And, he, and Isaac, Isaac Watts had heard his mother tell the stories of nursing the, her children on the, on the steps of the jail. Uh, he was very concerned that people were singing psalms like this. They didn't seem to be very happy. And so he wanted to... He wanted him to, to love the Lord as a teenager. So he started writing these. This is like early 1700s, 1707. Uh, he, uh, he, he put out a book that in, includes, uh, alas, and did my Savior bleed. Psalms of David uh, imitated in the language of the New Testament. That was 1719. Hymns and Spiritual Songs, 1717. What he writes about Psalm 116 is this. I love the Lord. He heard my cries and pitied every groan. You can sing this to the tune of Amazing Grace. Long as I live, when troubles rise, I'll hasten to his throne. I love the Lord. He bowed his ear and chased my griefs away. Oh, let my heart no more despair while I have breath to pray. My flesh declined, my spirits fell, and I drew near the dead. While inward pangs and fears of hell perplex my wakeful head. My God, I cried, thy servant, save thou ever good and just. Thy power can rescue from the grave. Thy power is all my trust. So if you've experienced that, where were you? Were you in sickness? Were you in fear? Were you in some fearful situation like Daniel? Were you under condemnation for your sins? Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, if you've been through that. It's grace that does that. And grace my fears relieved. So what did you do? Did you cry out to the Lord? Do you know he heard your voice? If you've seen the C.S. Lewis movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, you'll know that uh, C.S. Lewis was able to go through the trenches of World War I and come back and still not call upon the Lord. Uh, he was still an atheist. But for you, can you say, because you've experienced these things, starting out with Psalm 116, I love 
the Lord. You've called on the Lord and you've received deliverance. Don't forget it if it's happened to you. The deliverance is described in verses 8, 5 through 8. Powerful, personal deliverance. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Uh, I would recommend uh, a man named Matt Searles. He's sort of like a modern-day Isaac Watts. Uh, We've been given um, an album of his. It's called From the River to the Ends of the Earth. He's from Oxford, England, uh, and we play that, that we have a certain rotation we play on Sunday mornings, and that's one we play, and, and Psalm 116 has stuck in my head. I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I call upon his name. The cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave. When sorrow overcame my soul, I cried, O Lord, please save. You delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling along, that I may walk before you, Lord my God, as long as I shall live. That's a summary of Psalm 116. I feared, I called upon you, You rescued me, therefore, the latter part of Psalm 116, I will live for you. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. How did the Lord respond to you? With faithfulness. He responded to you as one who loves you more than you love yourself. Therefore, how will you live? Look at verse 9 and 10 and 11. If, if you've been through that process, what will you do now? I shall walk before the Lord. That's what, that's what he said. That I may walk before you, O Lord my God. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. Salvation you've been given. Salvation for sickness like Hezekiah given 15 more years. He has all power. He has intervened in your life. He's proven his love. He's proven that he hears your prayers. More than that, you have repented and asked forgiveness, and he saved your soul. Salvation from eternal hell. Salvation of life in Christ, to life in Christ. Assurance of God's love. The efficacy, the effectiveness of the blood of Christ. The joy of resurrection morning. All these belong to you. If you've come to him and prayed and asked for forgiveness, if you called on him, the seal and deposit and down payment of the Holy Spirit from now until the day you die. So what are you doing? Is this the way you're living? You delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that that... That I may walk before you. Why that? That I glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Salvation 
by God's power, by His mercy, and by His grace, necessarily ushers in a life of thankful worship. Thanksgiving. That's our life. We live out our thanksgiving. Salvation by God's power, by His grace, by His mercy, necessarily, every time, ushers in a life of thankful worship and service. Verses 12 and following. Thankful worship. Verse 13. I shall lift up the cup of salvation. If I were to read that to you in Hebrew, the word cup is kos. Pretty easy. But the cup of salvation is kos, Yeshua. That's the way it's written in Psalm 116. Kos, Yeshua. I shall lift up the cup of salvation. So this is... This is a wonderful psalm for Thanksgiving season. It's a wonderful psalm of coming to receive the blessing. What can you do to, to pay for all that the Lord has given you? It's just to receive more. <laughs> that, that's it. You, there is no payback. You just thank the Lord and live for Him. You just thank the Lord and come to the Lord's table. You just lift up the cup of salvation. You don't pay for anything. It's all free. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here to worship and to thank the Lord. So where do you worship? If thankful worship is brought in, where do you worship? Isaac Watts divided this into two parts. Actually, in some presentations of the psalm, they make this two different psalms, like in the Latin version of it and in the Greek version of it. But he calls part one recovery from sickness, and part two, this, this latter part, vows made in trouble paid in the church. The rest of it talks about David wanting to get together with God's people, celebrating the Lord's Supper, identifying with Christ, singing this song of deliverance from death. G. Campbell Morgan said, this song of deliverance from death, Jesus, he points out that you know, this, is, this is one of the, the songs, one of the Hallel songs. Jesus sang this with his disciples at the Last Supper. And, and we're looking at it now. He sang it as Jesus gave the disciples a song of deliverance and joy and commitment. He meets with us, giving us the same song, Be at Rest. Return to your rest, O my soul. I love the Lord. I was brought low and he saved me. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. How do you participate and where do you participate? Do you participate in worship actively? Are you, are you, are you sitting on the edge, at least metaphorically, sitting on the edge of your stuffed, uh, whatever it is, uh, foam blue seats there? Uh, are, are you... Are you Actively involved. Worship is hard work. In a sense, it's harder work for somebody who's participating from sitting down than it is for Dave and me up here. Um, worship. Actively giving the Lord all glory and praise. Um, and come to worship with His people. Now, I'm... I'm not speaking about all the struggles and the trials of having to stay apart from one another during the pan pandemic. I'm not applying that at all. But I'm, all I'm saying is that as a redeemed ser 
sinner in general go to church and bear witness what the Lord has done in your life. That's what's going on in this psalm. Rejoice that the other forgiven sinners, now saints, will hold you accountable to live for the Lord. That's part of what he's doing when he comes and pays his vow there before the Lord. Live for Jesus all the way to the end. Faithful to the end. At the end, you'll have a glimpse by faith of the beginning. Or as Jimmy Lyons said, he was one of the founders, one of the founding pastors, a funny and great guy, pastors of our denomination. He said when, when he found out he was dying of cancer, he sent it out to all of us saying um, he was leaving the land of the dying to enter the land of the living. And so you come to this final deliverance, this declaration, this Psalm 15. What is God's goal for, goal for your life? Pain-free existence? Plenty of everything you want? Does he mainly want you to have perfect health? Extensive wealth? To have no problems? What savior are you following? <laughs> what, what master are you serving? What rabbi are you learning from? Jesus said the disciple is not above his teacher nor the slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his master. He also said there at the last supper, these things I've spoken to you so that you, may, uh, you will have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, the death of his godly ones, of you, if you're in Jesus. Precious is like you have a, a jewel. That's what the word, word means, that you may get out and, and wear or take with you for special occasions, but then you put it back in that velvet in the box, you put it in a safe place, and then you take it out once in a while and you look at it, and it's, it's beautiful, it's precious, it gives you joy. That's the way the Lord looks at your death at the end of a life that he's lived in you. The plan for your life has a beginning, and it has a middle, and it has an end. Is, is that surprising? <laughs> Psalm 139 says that your beginning in the womb was important to the Lord. Psalm 1, uh, the Great Commission says the Lord's going to be with you every step of the way, all the middle. He's with you as you go toward the end. And Psalm 116 says, the end is precious. He has that plan for your life. And for us, when we get to the end, I've begun to realize that the Lord is already there waiting for me. And that has given me a new insight into those times when I've been there when friends and loved ones have taken their last breath. And as they're approaching that, the last couple of days, and they have that rally, and then, then it goes past the rally, and then they go on home to be with the Lord. The Lord is there in a special way, just as He is there in the womb in a special way. 
just he's there as he is there today, as he promises, I'll be with you every step of the way. Spread the gospel. He gives you, he's a special presence. And now I can, I, I can understand a little better how I see that and hear that in those people who are just ready to cross the Jordan. How beautiful that is. How precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Final deliverance. I always want to stay in a movie to watch the credits. To the end of the credits. It was pretty short for the C.S. Lewis movie. Pretty odd. But when we get to the end of our life, there's only one credit. (laughs) There's not a long list. It's just Jesus. (laughs) And he's there. So between now and then, give him all the credit of your life now. That's why he came. That's why he's coming back. That we would be able to say, I love you, Lord. He's delivered your soul from death, your eyes from tears, your feet from stumbling along, that you may walk before the Lord your God. As long as you live, as long as you live.